This is the Catullus Podcast, Food for the Journey, Season 2, Episode 9. The Journey to Happiness, Part 2. How to Handle Negative Emotions and Behaviour. Hi, I'm Michael and welcome back to the Catullus Podcast. So I hope whatever you're up to today, you're having a good day. And if you're feeling a bit negative, if you've got some negative behaviours going on in the brain, or in your body or in your life... Hopefully today can help you with that. So before we get into today's episode, I'd like to say a massive thank you as always to our sponsor for Season 2, the Masterclass Sessions. So the next Masterclass Session is online and it is in March and it's with Charlie Lawson. If you are in business and you want other people to help you to promote your business for you so you don't have to do it, Charlie can help you with that. So I'm going to be there. So if you click on the link in the show notes, you can book yourself on. And I was talking to Steve, who organises the Masterclass Sessions, and he's actually given us something amazing. And he is willing to gift a membership to the Masterclass Sessions, a full year's worth. So you get, what, 12 um, sessions you could attend um, for free. All you have to do is um, to tell me something that you enjoyed from today's episode. So if you go to michael at cataholos.co.uk, just send me a quick email and say, oh, the best bit I liked was this, Mike, or I really enjoyed this, I found this helpful. And we'll do a, a draw. Um, and if you hear back from us, then obviously that means before the next episode, you've won and you get a free membership, which is amazing, really. So thanks, Steve. So if you enjoyed today and you email me, just let me know something you enjoyed. You could have a chance to get a free membership. All right. So in the journey towards happiness, we talked about the emotions, the happy emotions that we want and how to cultivate those. And that was hopefully very helpful for you. I think even more important is being able to handle the negative emotions and the behaviours that come with them. I want to start by being very real about this. I was talking to a good friend about this. We need to be balanced in life, right? I don't want you thinking I want you to be happy all the time and, and suppressing negative emotions. That's not healthy. We want to be balanced. It's good to be sad sometimes. You know, if a loved one dies, there's a sadness there, there's a grief, there's a loss, and that's real. It's important to feel that. So today is not about how to hack or switch or suppress or change anything negative into a positive. I don't even like using negative and positive uh, dichotomy, you know, phrases. This is a negative emotion, it's a positive one. But we have to group them into something, don't we? Otherwise we'd have all these just random things. So it's okay to be sad. That's part of today. And so today is about helping you to handle these emotions, not to try and get rid of them or minimalize them, but to know they're going to come. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you if you feel these emotions and behaviors. But the level of suffering, there's something we can do about that, you know, because feeling bad and thinking in a bad way, um, one thing, but suffering with that all the time is something that maybe we can help you with. I'll give an example. Check out the Disney and Pixar film Inside Out. So in it, there are characters of different human emotions, joy, sadness, anger, uh, fear and disgust. And there's this character of joy and she wants everybody to be joyful all the time. And then there's a character of sadness and she's always sad. And there's just a brilliant interplay between joy and understanding that sometimes it's okay to be sad. So I really was moved by that film. It's all about emotional balance. It's really deep. So check it out inside out. So in the last episode, we um, we had Dr. Barbara Friedrichsen, who's a positive psychologist, and she helped us to understand that an emotion is an embodied feeling. Remember that? So it is more than just a feeling. It might be a thought and a feeling, and it's something you feel in your body. You can't feel an emotion and the accompanying behavior 
um, without being in a body, yeah? So it's an embodied feeling is how she, she suggests it. So the first thing, I want to give you five things for negative uh, emotions of behavior. The first thing is a model which she popularized in relation to how you experience an emotion and kind of four stages to it. So I'll tell you what the four stages are and then we're going to look at recognizing the power you have of choice at each stage and how they kind of work. So here we go. The first one is you have a circumstance, something outside of yourself. Okay, so something happens, yeah? The second stage is you have your appraisal of that, meaning what that means to you. So something happens and then you think, okay, this means this. You then have changes in your body, in your face. You might feel different. You might have an urge to take action. So there's then a feeling and a change. And then you have a response, the action that you take. All right. So let's take an example of anxiety. You know, you miss your train and your appraisal, your thought that is, I'm never going to get home on time. So then you start to feel flushed in the face, butterflies in the tummy. And the response is, I need to sit down because I think I'm going to pass out. I'm having a panic attack. All right. Now, anxiety, fear, depression, anger, despair, a lot of these kind of negative emotions. I can, I can recognize from personal experience these four stages. But the thing is, at each one of these, you have a choice. It's not like a domino where circumstance goes into appraisal, appraisal goes into change, chain goes into response. And you can't do anything about it. You can just watch yourself doing this. You have a choice at each stage. Okay, so I was suggesting pausing. So something happens, give yourself a sec before you then think, what does this mean? And after you've thought, what does this mean? Give yourself a sec, give yourself a second, pay attention to the body. And after the body changes, you can decide, okay, what am I going to do about it? So for example, a lot of people talk about the link between fear and excitement. When you're fearful, a lot of the changes that go on in your body at stage three, are very similar to changes when you're excited. Now, I'm not saying they are the same, but on a physical level, the experiences that you feel are quite similar. Now, interestingly, this doesn't work one way. I've noticed this. You could start with a response. You could start by doing something and then work backwards, and that leads to a change in your body, which then leads to you thinking differently, which then leads to something else. I'll give you an example. Um, anytime you engage in a behavior, that's a response. So when I go for a run, that's a response that leads to physical changes in my body. I get oxytocin and noradrenaline and all these different chemicals flying around my body. That leads to me thinking about things that I was maybe struggling with a little bit differently. And that leads to me maybe then changing my circumstance. So recognize that in these four stages, when you feel a negative emotion, you have choice. When something happens, you have a choice. When you are deciding what that means to you, you have a choice. And even if it's just a pause, a brief pause, when your body's going through changes, you can choose to change that or to just be with it in that moment. And then you can choose your response. So just recognizing that for me, that was massive when I realized it's not a domino effect. You can pause at each stage. So, you know, when you feel fear because of a circumstance, what does that actually mean to you? What, what does it feel like in your body? What are you going to do about it? If you feel angry because something's happened, what does that mean to you? How does it feel in your body? What are you going to do? When you feel despair and you feel overwhelmed, you know, why is that? What does it mean to you? How does it feel in your body? Right. So it's understanding this rather than just, oh, it's the worst thing in the world. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's an experience you're going through, a temporary experience. And this model can hopefully help you to see the different stages and to feel more empowered that even if you're just going through it, it's like once you go on a roller coaster, you can't get off. You know you're still on a roller coaster and you'll survive, you know, and there's ups and downs, but you'll get off. Okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing, which is so helpful, I found this so helpful, and hopefully you do too. It's something I got from a man called Michael James Wong, and he is a meditation and mindfulness teacher. And he talks about being 
aware of the four paths of doubt. Now, if you're in business, even if you're not, especially if you're in business that we've talked about this, your mental health, how you see things, your energy, it's everything. If you think things are great, you will make them that way. If you think it's all over, it's all over. So we've got to protect our peace of mind, right? And he talks about those four kind of mental states. We call them emotions and, you know, behaviors, but they're mainly, um, I'd say, emotions that are what he calls the four paths of doubt. And the, he uses the acronym, the number four, F-O-U-R. So fear, overthinking, uncertainty, and regret. So let's look at each one of those, right? So if you're fearful, that can be a really painful, can't it? Are you overthinking? Have you just thought something to death and you just you paralyze yourself by overthinking about it? Are you dealing with some uncertainty and so because of that you're scared? Or are you regretting something from the past? You know, you feel bad about yourself, about somebody else. And often you might feel all four of those at once. And what I've noticed with myself is if I'm suffering with an emotional feeling or a behavior, I'll check myself and go, hang on a second, appraisal, like the first model. Am I overthinking? Am I feeling fear? Am I being uncertain? Am I regretting something? And chances are it's either one, two, three, or all four of those things. And what I've recognized is if it's any one of those things, I'm not going to make a good decision or it's not going to be, it's often I've lost perspective on things because fear can lead to lack of perspective. Overthinking is lack of perspective. Uncertainty, you ain't got a clue what's going on. And regret, you know, you're feeling bad about things. So for example, say you feel one of those things, you think, okay, uh, pay attention to that. But if you feel all four, you might think, right, well, it's just those four and I'll just distract myself till I calm down. So recognizing that, that it's not the thing outside that's the problem. It might just be you feeling or thinking one of these four. For me, that was really, really helpful. So you catch yourself. You say, am I being fearful? Am I overthinking? Am I dealing with uncertainty or regret? And if it's one, two, three, or all four of those things, just catch yourself and say, okay, I might need to do something till this passes, yeah? I might need to distract myself until this passes. Oh, I'm just being fearful. Oh, I'm just dealing with uncertainty. Okay, doesn't actually mean anything's wrong. Oh, that's quite helpful. Just try it. Seriously, those four, the four paths of doubt, absolutely fantastic. The third thing I wanted to help you in handling emotions and behaviours that are pretty negative is to talk about fear because there's a lot of it around, right, at the moment. If you're in business, you're dealing with fear all the time, you know, fear about products, services, unhappy clients, complaints, logistical problems. Uh, you might have grievances and issues going on, politics in between with your workforce, COVID-related issues, hiring people, growth problems. You know, a lot of, I've, I've written down when I was preparing for this, a lot of kind of fear comes from growth. You know, you're growing to another level, you're expanding internationally, you're launching a new range, and you're pretty scared about that. So let's look at that. So I've mentioned her name before. It's a fantastic book. Please just read it. It's so good. Susan Jeffers, Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Does what it says on the tin. Now that might terrify you. <laughs> um, and if it does, read the book. Because like any good book, you read it and you think, yeah, it's good that. Hmm. But then you go back to it. And then you go back to it and you start underlining stuff and you start trying things out and you're like, oh, this stuff really works. You know, like if you listen to a musical song, you think that's quite good. But over time you think, no, actually, this is amazing. So check out that book. Because that helped me to understand, first thing is classify this stuff. Again, back to your appraisal from model one. Are you being irrational or rational? So for example, if there's a spider in the room, you know, and you live in Australia and it's a black widow, it's pretty rational to be quite, you know, scared of that thing and stay away from it. However, if you're in the UK and it's like a garden spider and it's massive, but it's totally harmless, then maybe you're being a bit irrational. So classifying the fear, fear is very paralyzing. It's very scary. 
you know, is it Rocky Five? I think we're talking about fear is like a, a fire, and you can cultivate it, and it can you know burn you, or you can use it to burn somebody else. I like that. So it is like a fire, and it can hurt you, but often a lot of it is irrational. In business, we'll experience a lot of irrational fear, just because we're moving and creating and shaping and growing into new places. You know, a lot of people. If you're in business, you're an innovator, right? So you're going to feel a lot of fear as you grow. Um, and it doesn't mean anything. That's another thing sometimes. There's no meaning to it. You just feel it and you're like, uh. So recognizing if it's rational or rational can really help. And once you classify it, you can categorize it, make a decision. So for example, if it's rational, you know, I'm scared because we're launching, we're opening this new shop and I'm concerned about the deadline You know, for, for our stock. Well, that's good. That's rational. You can do something about that. Whereas if you just say, well, I'm concerned it's going to be a massive failure, that's a bit more irrational, right? And the fear can come with, with growth. As Catalyst has grown, I've been very scared. It's been scary because you think, wow, um, we're doing a podcast in Spanish now. I hope people understand it. I hope people like it. Oh, we're now doing this. I hope it goes well. But a bit of fear, again, keeps you sharp, doesn't it? You know, if you use the Rocky analogy, the heat can warm your home or it can burn your hand, can't it? Something that I thought was really useful for fear, and this struck me between the eyes, is a psychologist, Dr. Edith Ecker, who's a Holocaust survivor, written a fantastic book. And she uh, said, <laughs> it's brilliant, if you feel in fear, ask yourself this, whose fear have you picked up? Is it yours? Or is it somebody else's? And that hit me between the eyes, because I realized for me, a lot of the fear I feel at the moment is just a byproduct of going through COVID times. You know, it used to be walking out in the street thinking, oh, stay away from people because of COVID. And then there was fear about, I don't know, disruptions for my clients and all that. And then as I start to work more globally, I start to understand about the fear in different economies and things like that. And so a lot of that fear that I feel, I've just picked up because of the COVID situation. It's not particularly rational. It's just kind of there in the air. And that really helped me to understand, oh, I've not done anything wrong here or there's nothing to worry about or be scared of. It's just a byproduct of the times we're living in, you know? So whose fear have you picked up? That's a really good question to ask yourself. The fourth thing I wanted to give you some help with is something that a lot of my clients, and I've struggled with this in the past, kind of engage with. It's more of a behavior than a feeling. So there's three really. Worrying, ruminating, and catastrophizing. So worrying, it's, it goes in like three levels. Worrying is like thinking what can go wrong or what has gone wrong. Ruminating is when you're brooding on it and you're thinking about it, not just once or twice, it's always in your mind and you're going over it again and again. It's like picking at a scab. And catastrophizing is thinking of the worst thing that could happen in the world. And then once you've thought of that, you think that's going to happen. All right, I'm going to give you two things to help with that. First is, I didn't even realize this was a thing. There's a term for worrying about worrying. It's called meta-worrying. Meta means like higher level. So worrying about worrying, and that's the thing. So if you're the kind of person who's worried a lot in the past, you worry that you're going to worry about something, right? Or you worry about how much you're worrying, or you worry about your state of mind. Yeah, so you're like thinking about thinking, uh, and that can be not great at all. So I'm going to give you something to help with that. And this is something I've only learned very recently, and it was excellent. It was from a business book that I would highly recommend called The Trusted Advisors Field Book by Charles H. Green and Andrea P. Howe. And in this Trusted Advisors Field Book, it's absolutely brilliant because they talk about a distinction between self-awareness and ex and what they call excessive self-orientation. So self-awareness is great. That means knowing yourself, right? Know thyself. 
I know myself, I know what food I like to eat, I like what music I like to eat, I know my values, I know what I enjoy, I know I like to exercise, I know who my family are, I'm very self-aware, I know myself, right? That's a really positive thing, self-awareness is very, very good. However, self-orientation is when you think the whole world revolves around you, you're orientated by yourself, you know? It's like thinking you're in the middle of the universe and everybody floats around you. Now children think that, obviously, and as they grow they start to realize, oh, I'm not the center of the universe. But some people and some businesses operate like they are extremely self-orientated and they can be very successful up until a point. But what they suggest in this book is to be other-orientated. And I think that's really good because if you catch yourself, again, using the first model, if you appraise yourself and go, when you're worrying, when you're ruminating, when you're catastrophizing, chances are it's all about you. It's all about you. Now, sometimes you might be a parent and it's about your family or it's about your business and people, but a lot of it will be self-orientated. What if they think this about me? What if I lose this client? What if this happens to my business? Now, that's not everybody, and I know a lot of people are concerned for other people, but often worrying and ruminating, catastrophizing always relates somehow back to the self or somehow to how other things are going to affect you. So something to just be aware of when you're worrying, when you're ruminating, when you're catastrophizing, you think, okay, am I just feeling a bit self-obsessed here? Am I getting a bit sorry for myself? Am I worrying about worrying? And once you recognize that, it can be really, really enlightening, really helpful, because you start to think, I am, yeah, I actually, I think so. It's just kind of all about me. And there's, you know, there's more to life than about me. Yeah, I need to stop doing that. I know it's been really helpful for me because the things I've catastrophized about, ruminated on and worried, it probably never happened except for, you know, what I thought might have happened in my head, you know. And it's easy to be self-orientated in a way because you're one person in one body. That makes sense. But as you know, when we're in business, we have to think to other people because all of your services and products are to benefit other people it's the whole point isn't it you know so hopefully that can help with worry and ruminating catastrophizing just check yourself meaning self-awareness is good really good but self-orientation thinking it's all about you not so good and that distance can be helpful okay so i wanted to finish by giving you five things to help you practically that you can check out that you can do um, to help you with these negative emotions and behaviors so the first thing is you know learn about yourself what are your negative emotions and behaviors what are the ones you regularly feel or engage with? Write them down, you know, know what they are, make peace with them. I somebody gets easily irritated and you get angry. I somebody's prone to overwhelm because you catastrophize a lot. The chances are there won't be 500 things. There might be just four or five little habits or four or five little feelings that you're like, yeah, this is, I'm regularly feeling these. And it might be just because of the situation we're in at the moment, you know, how you are now, you might be different in five years. So just learning what your negative emotions and behaviors are, being self-aware, not self-oriented, being self-aware, saying, mine are these, mine are these, and this is how I am. Write them down. Take a good look at them. Own them. Take ownership of them. There's nothing wrong with that. Second thing is, when you feel negative emotions, right, or you have these behaviors, allow them to be. Remember what we said before about the film Inside Out. I can't be joyful all the time. It's not appropriate. Allow them to be. They're often just trying to protect you in some way. You know, even worrying, ruminating, catastrophizing, it's just trying to protect you. You know, make peace with them. Say, it's okay. Yeah, but I'm worried this is going to happen. Well, thank you for trying to look out for me. Allow it to Don't squash them. There's nothing worse than repressed emotions. It'll come out somewhere. Just, but all right, yeah. I've got this anxiety. Okay. Third one, this is a small tip that I'm, I've just been telling people for years. Try this. If you worry, try procrastinating worrying, meaning put it off. Say, yeah, I'll worry about that later. And then when later comes, say, oh yeah, I'll worry about it tomorrow. And just put it off. Put it off. 
It's not actually important. We think worrying is important, but it's not. The things themselves are important. The worrying is not. So just try putting it off if you're feeling anxious today. Say, oh, I need to think about that. Okay, I'll, I'll do it after lunch. Then after lunch, I'll do it after dinner. And you're putting it off. And that time never comes. And you might think, oh, I'm putting it off. But yeah, you're not actually engaging in it and you spend less time worrying it. Just try it. <laughs> so the language that you use, there's a whole, I could do a whole episode on this, but the language that you use is very, very important. So these are some phrases I like you to use when you experience these emotions. This is the first one. This is temporary. Say that to yourself. This is temporary. This will pass. Hang on in there. Yeah. It's like when you're going through a storm, you just have to hang on in there. So it's temporary. It's going to pass. And say that to yourself because there's a lot of fear when you're feeling these things. And this is something personal I've, I've learned through speaking different languages. As I've been learning Spanish, right, without getting too technical, they have two different ways of saying to be. They have ser and tener. And you don't say I am, right? There's two different ways of saying that. Now, in English, we just have I am. Now, the problem with this is if you say you are something, then are you that way forever? I am anxious. I am always anxious. Always? You know, in, in Spanish, they wouldn't do that. They'd suggest it's a temporary thing, an emotion. So just be aware of the language you use. So rather than saying, I'm anxious, try this. There's some anxiety with me at the moment. There's some fear come with me at the moment. Despair's here for a bit in my body. I can feel it. So rather than I am a, or I am always, say there's a bit of this today. There's some of this right now. And it creates that space, that distance, yeah? Do you we said before, we're not self-orientated, we're self-aware. And the appraisal between the circumstance, the appraisal and the body and the response, there's a gap there. And you're saying, yeah, there's something here that's temporary and it'll pass. And the last thing, it's something really special I wanted to share with you. And it's one of my favorite poems from a 13th century Sufi mystic and Persian poet called Rumi. And to me, this has been really, really helpful. It's on my door in my bedroom, right? In understanding negative emotions, being at peace with negative emotions. Everything I've said today is pretty much summed up over what, 700 years ago, by this man. And I'd like to read it to you. So it's called The Guest House. So if you like it, Google it. The Guest House. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival. A joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they are a crowd of sorrows, who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whatever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. It's good, isn't it? So guys, until we speak again, spend some time together, just remember two things. Firstly, just pick one thing from today, watch the film Inside Out, read some roomy poetry, try one of these things and the five things to help you. But even if you don't do any of that, just right now, just as you are, negative emotions, worried, anything, somebody loves you very, very much. Take care and speak soon.